In today's episode of 750 Mills, the coolest, biggest, and creepiest things ever 3D printed. How elephants could destroy countries in Africa and in Asia. And a piece of advice from a basketball legend that you can use to get better at anything. Plus, today's secret link in the Feel Good Featured Track is coming at you right now. Welcome to 750 Mills, the show that highlights the good stuff in the world today and points you to news, music, and all manner of genuinely useful, or at the very least, mildly interesting things. It's all meant to help you start off your day or your week right. Folks, I hope you're all feeling good and ready right now. My name is Andre, and today we're going to talk about the future of making stuff. Basically out of thin air, it's going to blow your mind if you've never heard of what us human beings as a whole have been up to the past few decades when it comes to 3D printing you are going to want to hear this. Plus, you know about elephants, right? Well, how much do you know about elephants' ability to destroy big chunks of countries in Africa and in Asia? We're going to be talking about that, plus you'll get a few more interesting bits here and there which include a Beatles and Daft Punk inspired song as featured track for this episode, along with a kind of a more exclusive secret link and advice from a legendary sportsman and coach that you can use to be better at anything you're doing or be better at anything you want to be. All of that good stuff is coming your way right now. What's the coolest thing you've ever seen or heard of a 3D printer making? Well, real quick, if you're not quite familiar with 3D printing, it's the process of creating a real-life object using a printer based on a digital 3D model of the thing you want to make that you've designed on a computer. You can trace 3D printing's development all the way back to the 1970s to Johannes F. Gottwald's 1971 patent for a liquid metal recorder. Then later in 1974 when British chemist and author David E. H. Jones laid out the concept of 3D printing in the New Scientist Journal. Today, you can buy a 3D printer from Amazon for just under $300. Start making actually useful things from basically nothing. What sorts of things can you make with a 3D printer anyway? Well, just about everything you can model on a computer and that can fit within the printing capabilities of the 3D printer that you've got with you, basically. People have printed just about anything and everything. Things like medical tools and prosthetics, machine parts, medicine, and one popular use among people with 3D printers this year has been to manufacture face masks. There's also actual ongoing research to see how 3D printing might figure into manufacturing actual human tissue, essentially printing human body parts to some degree. And in 2013, researchers from Hangzhou Dianzi University designed what they call a 3D bioprinter to print things using living cells instead of plastic and they printed out ears, livers, and even kidneys. I don't know about you, but for me, that's while it's kind of amazing, it's also a little bit creepy. Now, I'm willing to bet the idea of 3D printing an entire human being has to have crossed some psycho's mind somewhere. And they'll reason, hey, free labor, or free body parts if they stop wanting to work for you. There's plenty of questions we got to ask about where this takes us for real. 
On the less creepy side of things, one thing 3D printers can do is manufacture food. NASA, and of course they're going to get involved in stuff like this, they've been looking at the concept with respect to being able to manufacture food in space in order to minimize waste and see if they can more efficiently meet an astronaut's dietary needs. Just earlier this year, a food tech company called Nova Meat unveiled a 3D printed steak. According to the report, their technology is able to finely tune the structure of plant-based proteins at the microscopic level, meaning it can mimic the texture, appearance, nutritional and sensorial properties of fibrous animal meats like beef steaks, chicken breast meat, and even tuna steaks, and they use food-based material as made from peas, rice, seaweed, and a few other things that they haven't named. The amount and the quality of the things that you can do and make with 3D printers is pretty staggering. And we should probably look out for just how much this will change how we make things over the next few years. Think about it. Instead of relying on big companies to make and sell us things that we can't make ourselves, you could just download a blueprint from the internet and make it from your kitchen counter or your garage if you need it, with equipment that's getting better and becoming more and more affordable as time goes by. So we've talked about the many cool and or creepy things that have been 3D printed, but what's the biggest thing you know that's been 3D printed? Well, the biggest 3D printer in Europe has just printed what might be the biggest thing ever made with a 3D printer. From start to finish, in one piece, in one place, the first in the world. It's a two-story house. The 90 square meter house was manufactured in place by the Belgian company called Camp C, that's C-A-M-P-C, in Westerlo, Antwerp. Project manager Emile Astion said that they printed the house in one piece with a fixed 3D concrete printer, and that other 3D printed homes have been printed elsewhere, but they did it in a factory and then they later assembled the stuff on location. While what they did with Camp C is that they printed the entire building envelope as a whole on the site, meaning in the area. Camp C also states that their 3D printed house is three times stronger than a house built with quick building blocks. A few other interesting things to note is that Camp C indicate that at some point in the future, you might be able to 3D print an entire house in just two days and save up to 60% in terms of material, time, and the money you spend overall. There's a time-lapse video of them printing the house and it's just around two minutes long. I'll put it in the show notes so you can see how the whole thing got put together. And it's something else. You can pretty much get a vision of what the future of construction would look like with this video. And it's pretty neat. I hope that you're enjoying the episode so far and I just wanted to take a little break to thank you for hanging out with me so we can talk about these cool and interesting little stories that honestly, we don't really get to hear a lot of. We tune into the news and it's pretty much the same big stories everywhere and it's usually got a negative spin on it. It's what works in terms of getting people riled up and getting their attention, but too much of that also isn't good. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's kind of exhausting once you've had a little bit too much of that. And that's the whole reason 750 mils exists. I just wanted to put something good and useful, or at the very least something interesting, back out there in the world to kind of take the edge off things. If you've been enjoying the podcast and you think that there's something good about it, I'd appreciate it if you could tell a friend and maybe even point him in this direction. 
Of course, you can find the 750 Mills podcast in all the usual places like Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and even on YouTube. And if you go to the 750 Mills Facebook page and click on the like button, you'll get notified of updates and you'll get cool things like audiograms. These are one to two minute long, good looking video clip highlights of interesting bits on the podcast that you can share with your family and friends. And you can also get in touch with me through that page if you've got any suggestions or feedback. One audiogram that people seem to really like over the past week was from episode 5, the one about Angus Barbieri, the man who didn't eat for a year and basically just wound up being healthier than he ever was. So if you like cool little things like that and you'd like to help out the podcast, there's a link to the 750ml's Facebook page on the show notes for this episode. Check it out if you want. Click on the like button and share an audiogram or two to your Facebook timeline if you'd like to support the show or you just want to share something useful with your pals on Facebook. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Back to the show. Speaking of big things, what do you know is interesting about elephants? Well, elephants are a type of animal species that are called keystone species. Being a keystone species means that they've got a huge effect on the natural environment relative to how much there is of them. And this is based on a concept introduced in 1969 by Robert T. Payne, the zoologist. Keystone species, plural, have critical roles in maintaining the structure of an ecological community, wherever it is they are. They affect many other living creatures in an ecosystem and they actually have an impact when it comes to what types and how much of various other animals there are in that environment. Basically, if you take away a keystone species from that same environment, that whole place would change dramatically or potentially even just not exist at all anymore. Elephants help maintain the African savanna by keeping the tree population in check, which allows room for more species of grass to grow and it has a cascading impact on other living creatures in that area. Without elephants, the African savanna might just disappear and turn into woodlands. Other examples of keystone species include wolves. Without wolves, herbivores, or plant-feeding animals, tend to overpopulate, and this endangers a lot of plant life and the overall environmental balance, or you could say the equilibrium, due to overgrazing. Another example is the beaver. Beavers are also called ecosystem engineers, and an important thing they do for the environment they find themselves in is that they cut down old trees for their building projects, such as dams, and that helps make way for younger trees to take their place. These dams built by beavers have a lot of good effects for the environment they're in, and that includes helping out other species that are all around them, including amphibians, salmon, and songbirds, and a few others. So... Keystone species are pretty important. Well, what exactly do elephants do for their environment? Well, elephants, being really big herbivores, their eating habits essentially lead to uprooting trees and undergrowth, and this can transform savanna into grasslands. When they dig for water during drought, they create water holes that can be used by other animals as well. And they can also make existing water holes bigger when they bathe and wallow in them. When they're close to mountain areas, elephants can even excavate caves that are used by the local animal population, which includes animals like bats, birds, and other insects. African forest elephants can end up consuming plants along with the seeds and then pooping them out. Being a little bit technical here, 
and that can help the local plant population spread across some pretty large distances. In Asian forests, large seeds need giant herbivores like elephants and rhinos to get around and disperse. No other animal species can fill the role that these two have. Plus, because a lot of the food elephants eat isn't properly digested, their dung can actually provide food for other animals like dung beetles and even monkeys. It's not all positive though, as an overpopulation of elephants can have a negative impact on the environment as well in some cases. Too many elephants can threaten populations of small birds that depend on woodlands. Their weight can compact the soil, causing rain to run off, which leads to soil erosion. At this point, we've got to note that all ecosystems require both predator and prey, along with a host of other species and living things to keep these environments in balance. Too much or too little of some things can cause things to go out of whack and cause problems. So if you take away all the elephants from Africa, or from wherever they're left in Asia right now, whole chunks of countries and their natural environment could be seriously, seriously damaged and maybe even disappear altogether. And who knows how bad the effects of that happening might be for the people living in those areas, some of which are already having quite the hard time already nowadays. That's how big of an impact elephants can have on everything around them. So how bad has it been for elephants in modern times? We know that for most of the past few decades, the world's elephant population has been declining. In 2008, the International Union for Conservation, or the IUCN, listed the Asian elephant as endangered due to a 50% population decline over the past 60 to 75 years. Asian elephants once ranged from Syria and Iraq to China and Java. It's now extinct in these places. The total population of Asian elephants is loosely estimated to be around 40,000 to 50,000, around half of the populations in India. The African continent was home to about 1.3 million elephants in the 1970s, but today it only has around 500,000. And now that we know just how important elephants are and how bad it's been for them, well, there's actually a little bit of good news. And this comes from Kenya. Kenya's Wildlife Service has said that its elephant population had increased from 16,000 elephants in 1989 to about 34,800 by the end of 2019. Najib Balala, Kenya's Cabinet Secretary for Tourism and Wildlife, says that growth in elephant population is in part due to the country's efforts to stop poachers. These efforts include stiffer consequences like large fines and prison sentences. Poaching mainly serves the interests of what can be considered traditional medicine driven by demand from parts of Asia. What's been the effect? In 2018, 80 elephants were poached. In 2019, that number dropped down to 34. In 2020, from January up to early August of this year, it's only been 7. In an email to NPR.org, Tal Manor, a project manager for the nonprofit Amboseli Trust for Elephants, said that the main reason the population is rebounding is due to the surplus rains we have had over the past two years. Baby booms are largely tied to ecological changes. This year so far, 170 elephant calves were born. That even includes a set of twins, and there's still some time left before 2020 ends. Compare that to 113 calves born in 2018. Now here's an interesting fact. Notice how no figures for 2019 are mentioned. 
One reason why that year isn't significant enough to mention in terms of comparisons is that elephants take two years to gestate. So from conception to birth, mama elephants got to carry around and care for a baby for a couple of years before the little one sees the world for itself with its own eyes. And folks, did you know that just over a couple of weeks ago this month, on the 12th of August, it was World Elephant Day? It's one of the reasons we've got these reports in the first place, and quite possibly also due to that very campaign that more people are aware of and maybe even contributing to what's been pretty good news for elephants in recent years. It's a day dedicated to the preservation and the protection of the world's elephants, and it was started as a concept in 2011 by Canadian filmmakers Patricia Sims and Michael Clark, along with Sivaporn Dardarananda, whose name not only sounds like a type of sound effect, but also belongs to the Secretary General of the Elephant Reintroduction Foundation in Thailand. The point of World Elephant Day is to create awareness of the urgent plight of African and Asian elephants, and to share knowledge and positive solutions for the better care and management of captive and wild elephants. So this includes issues like poaching, habitat loss, mistreatment in captivity, and human-elephant conflict, among other things. So people have been raising awareness and doing good work, with real-world consequences, and with some pretty good results, as we've seen this year. So that's good stuff all around. Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track, a song that's essentially a perfect meld of electronica and pop called Pay No Mind from the French DJ and music producer Madion. The song also features Passion Pit's Michael Angelakos on vocals and some guitar work from Two Door Cinema Club's Sam Halliday. Madion has said that two of his greatest influences are the Beatles and Daft Punk, and I can hear bits and pieces of that in this episode's featured track. Now here's a little nugget for you about the music video for Pay No Mind. This one is actually the second in a conceptual three-part sci-fi music video series that follows uh, a young couple exploring a city in the future and checking out what secrets it might hold. So check it out, play it straight from the show notes as it will be there for your convenience as usual and see what you think. I personally think you'll enjoy it. That's it for this episode of 750ml's. Make sure you head on over to 750ml.fm to check out the links to stuff we've talked about here. That includes a featured track from Madion and Passion Pit, the secret link that's free for Amazon Prime users, and it's about 15 minutes long, plus everything else we've talked about. You can subscribe and listen to the 750ml's podcast on podomatic.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Deezer. Just type in 750ML Podcast in the search box and tap on the follow or on the subscribe button. For your convenience, there will be links to all the places you can find the podcast so you can pick and choose from where you want to listen to it. So just head on over to 750ML.fm. That's 750ML.fm. So folks, thank you for hanging out with me. My name is Andre and this has been the 750ML Podcast. And I'll leave you with this thought from legendary basketball coach John Wooden. When you improve a little each day, eventually big things occur. When you improve conditioning a little each day, eventually you have a big improvement in conditioning. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but eventually a big gain is made. Don't look for the big, quick improvement. Seek the small improvement one day at a time. That's the only way it happens. And when it happens, it lasts. That's it for me. Take care, everyone. 